Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. So, brothers and sisters, please welcome God's man for this hour. Give him your hearts. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. That is uh, just way more than kind, and uh, I don't get it, but I appreciate it. Uh, I think it's, it's very cool. Hey, this is the first time I've ever been actually in the building of, well, not this morning, but this week. The first time I've ever been in the building of Midtown Baptist Temple, uh, and wow, man, this place is cool. I, I want to move here. This is really awesome. Uh, I get to go to all church camp. They kind of, you know, tuck me away to where nobody can see me down there. And, uh, but boy, what a privilege to, to be with y'all this morning. It's been an incredible week for me. Uh, I, I mentioned that to the pastors that were, uh, scarfing down last night man it was awesome thanks for all of y'all that that served us but this 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 has been uh an incredible incredible week for me and i thank you for your investment in me and all of the pastors and missionaries that have been here i am a little disappointed about something though that uh uh, you know, in, in, if you weren't here in the Bible study hour, uh, Brett Bartlett, you know, just hinted at the fact that he wanted to sing a song and everybody was all like, oh, sing. And y'all have never asked me to sing. And <laughs> what is up with that, man? So I'm going to go ahead and take the liberty uh, Bruno has done his thing. Bartlett has done his thing. And now the trot dog is going to do his thing. Okay, you, y'all ready for this? It really might seem like the war's still going, people still dying, sin is still potent. The devil's still tempting, and evil ain't slowing. Just wait until that trumpet get blowing. The general is coming with keys in his hands. Then death and Hades, they'll freeze where they stand to see they've been defeated. Please understand, if they don't want to see him, bro, the king is the man. He's a man of war, a beast on the battlefield, obliterating all the evil forces that are killed. Where's your sting, death? Oh, you ain't got it, bro. Where's your victory? Oh, you've been swallowed whole. But when he back, ain't no fighting Jehovah. He'll toss you in a lake of burning fire and sulfur. He's a titan, a soldier. He'll wipe away our tears and our fears, and all our pain and death will be over. And I know what you're thinking. (laughs) The old man thinks he's got skills. Uh, 
Okay, I get it. I got nothing, man. But, okay. Y'all want me to rap through the whole message? <laughs> now, Brett, I know you jealous right now. <laughs> White bread? <laughs> All right, how does a brother preach after that, man? You guys had it set up so good and I blew it, man. I'm sorry, Eric. <laughs> all right, all week long, and I realize a lot of you have been working, haven't been able to be here. Uh, it's been, yeah, you really ought to go online. Listen to everything that's been said this week. We, we talked a lot about going to the ends of the earth. Listen, if we're ever really going to have a burden for the people that are right around us, you gotta have a burden for the people in the uttermost part of the earth. And it kind of works both ways, you know? You get to the ends of the earth and it causes you to be able to come back. That's why it's so important for you to go on a missions trip. Because you, you get a burden for those people in the uttermost part of the earth that don't speak your language. And then we're able to come back to our own place and you find that God has burdened your heart for the people that do speak your language. Now this morning what I, I wanna do is not so much talk about the ends of the earth, though this certainly plays into it. I, I, I wanna talk with you this morning about how we actually fulfill God's purpose for our life right here where we are in Kansas City. And I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter four. <clears throat> Colossians chapter four. And we'll pick up in, in verse two. Paul says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving with all praying also for us that, the God, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man and oh God I pray that as we seek to let this passage unfold before us Lord I, I pray that you will take it and, and use it in our lives and I pray that it will redound to your glory to the salvation of souls may there be more worshipers in your everlasting kingdom because of the message that you take to our hearts in this room today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, now the, the, the key to this passage is to note that in this pattern for reaching people, and that's really what we're talking about here and what we're gonna be looking at this morning, it's important that we understand that it flows out of a passage 
where Paul is admonishing the, the believers there in Colossae and the believers here in Kansas City, he, he's admonishing us to pray. And it's a passage where he is also requesting prayer for himself. And so this, this pattern that we're gonna be seeing this morning for reaching people is really nothing more than a, a, a list of how Paul was asking people to pray for him. And, and that's just the point that I want you to see about this thing of our mission and, and reaching people. Listen, y'all, we are kidding ourselves about really becoming effective in reaching people with the gospel of Christ until it becomes important enough for us to specifically be praying about. Most Christians are not praying that God would use them to be effective in reaching their world for Christ. I say to you this morning, Paul was effective in reaching people because it was the pursuit of his prayers. And that's the first thing that I, I wanna show you in this pattern for reaching people. Number one, evangelism must be the pursuit of our prayers. Now with each one of these points, I'm gonna give you a, a key word that kind of drives the point, a key word that, that really gives us the heart of the issue. And the key word here is priority. Paul is telling the Colossians how they're to pray in verses two and three. And when he hits verse three, he says, and listen, would you do this? Would you pray for us? Well, Paul, you know, we know that you're in a Roman prison when you wrote this. So, boy, if you're requesting prayer, I, I, bet, I bet you want us to pray for your release so you can get out of that place so that you can really have an opportunity to reach people with the gospel. And I bet since you're in that prison, man, I bet that you're praying, uh, wanting us to pray about your attitude that the Lord will give you the, the grace to be able to deal with all of the terrible circumstances that you're finding yourself in, in, the, in that prison. And, and boy, since you're in that prison, Paul, I, I bet you're wanting us to pray about your health and pray about your safety. No, Paul says, I'd like to ask you to pray for one thing, pray that God will allow me to reach people right where I am. Man, I don't know how, how it'd be for you if you're on some mission trip somewhere or on some mission field someday and you end up in a, in a dark, dank prison somewhere and you got an opportunity to send back your prayer request to the, the church that sent you out. I, I can just tell you, I, I think the way that I'm put together because I'm a wuss, I, I think that if I had one prayer request to send back to my sending church, I'd be saying, hey man, 
would y'all pray that I'd get out of this God-awful place? I want you to check this out. The man is in prison. He's asking believers to pray for him. And the only request he has is that he will be effective in evangelizing the people right where he is. And I want you to see this this morning, that if we are ever going to get to the place to where we fulfill our mission of reaching the people on this planet with the gospel, it's got to become the passion of our hearts and the pursuit of our prayers like it was with Paul. You you know, the the way that it shakes out in the 21st century is when, when Christians are going through difficulties in their life and they face all kinds of adverse circumstances, and we all do that, typically we're praying the, oh God, get me out of this prayers. Oh God, change my circumstances. Oh God, deliver me from my circumstances. But you know what Paul understood? He understood something that's so difficult for us 21st century Christians to get our heads wrapped around. What Paul understood, listen now, your mission field is not some far distant land. Your mission field is wherever you are. Do you understand that? And listen now, God orchestrates the circumstances of our life to put us in contact with the people that he wants us to reach. Some of y'all hate your job. You know why you have your job? That's your mission field. Some of you hate your school. Some of you hate your neighborhood. You know, listen, I hope you can get out of it someday if you hate it. But for right now, y'all, you know, what, you know what's happened? God has orchestrated the circumstances of your life because you are right smack dab in your mission field right now. A lot of people are praying, okay, God, where on this map do you want me to go? That's cool, pray that. But recognize while you're praying it, you are right now in your mission field. But the point I want you to see is this. If we're ever gonna fulfill our mission of reaching people with the gospel, evangelism has got to become something that we're praying about. Are you hearing me, brothers and sisters? It's got to become the pursuit of our prayers. The the truth is, y'all, we pray about what's important to us. You know what, anybody here ever gone through financial problems? I have, and you know what you do when you have financial problems? Oh God. (sighs) And you're praying incessantly about that. You ever have somebody very near and dear to you that's on their deathbed? And what do you do? And you're praying like crazy about that. That's what I'm talking about. It's got to be so important to us that we're constantly praying 
about reaching the people of this planet. That's why we're still breathing God's air, y'all. That's why we're here. It's all about the mission. And the mission gets fulfilled right where we are. Number two. Okay, so first of all, evangelism must be the pursuit of our prayers. Number two, God must open the door. God must open the door. And the key word here is sovereignty. And as you're looking up on the screen to figure out how to spell it, let, let me just say what I'm not saying about the word sovereignty. I'm not talking about any whacked out Calvinistic view of sovereignty or any, nah, we, we don't have time for that. But God must open the door. Paul says in, in verse three, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Now, now what does he mean by that? Well, in the New Testament, getting ready to cough here. I'm better, y'all. You can relax now. Okay, in the New Testament, a door refers to an opportunity. And Paul is acknowledging here that God is the one who opens doors of opportunity to evangelize. In other words, doors are God's responsibility. In terms of the gospel, listen now, you don't pry doors open. You pray doors open. In John chapter 6 in verse 44, Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. And we would believe that the Father draws every person at some time in their life. For someone to be evangelized, to come to Christ, God has to be at work drawing that person to him. And you see, that's what Paul was praying about. Paul wanted to make sure that he was working in the same place that God was working. He wanted to make sure that he was walking through doors that God had opened for him to evangelize rather than spending his time trying to push doors open that ain't gonna get open. L listen, one of the reasons that we're sometimes so ineffective in reaching people is we exert all of our energy and resources in pushing on doors that aren't open. And John chapter six and verse 40, 44 is saying that if God isn't opening that door, you ain't gonna get it open, man. You know, there's a key verse in John chapter five and, and verse 17. It says this, but Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto and I work. 
In other words, my father has been working all down through the annals of history, and now at this certain period of time, he has me here, God in human flesh, and now he has me here working, but he says in this passage that even I, God in human flesh, don't just haul off and do what I want to do for him. Verse 19 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Speaking of his humanity. But what he seeth, the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. In other words, I wait to see where the Father is working and see what the Father is doing. And I join him, verse 20 For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And listen, folks, yeah, the Father loves the Son, but you understand the Father also loves us. We're his sons, and we're his daughters, and he wants us to fulfill his purpose through our lives, but that purpose is wrapped up in joining God in his work, not the other way around. God joining us in our work. You understand that? Another example, or maybe you didn't understand that. Another example is in Acts chapter 16. And chapter 16, Paul's on his second missionary journey. He's been traveling with Silas and in verses one through five of this chapter, uh, they, they add Timothy to the missionary team. I want you to watch what, what happens in, in verse 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were, uh, they were come uh, to Messiah, they assayed or they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by, Messiah came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Okay, do you understand what's happening here? Okay, follow this now. This is real simple, but it's, it's pretty cool. They had been preaching in Galatia because there was an open door. We don't get the details of it, but God closed that door. And then they attempted to go into Asia, but the door wasn't open. And then they tried to go to Bithynia, but the door wasn't open. And it's real interesting when you see this on a map because they were in the east, and then they tried to go north, and then they tried to go south, and all of the doors were closed. There was only one direction left. Go west, young man. And he went as far west on that map as he could go, and he comes to the beach city of Troas, and it was there that God gave to him the Macedonian call to take the gospel for the first time across the water of Troas. And you know what was actually happening? The gospel was going from Asia across that little body of water into a whole different continent. 
into Europe. In other words, God showed him the open door. And check out verse 10. And after he, that's Paul, had seen the vision, the open door, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Have you ever been at a place in in your life where it just seems that nothing is going right I mean, all you want to do, man, is just be used of God. But in every direction you turn, it's like, bam. It's like you just hit a brick wall. And man, is that frustrating? Man, we can get all worked up and nutso over that. But do you understand what we learned from Acts chapter 16? Those brick walls are actually God working in our life to direct us to the people where he's working. It's not just happenstance, man. It's not even just the devil. It's God at work to direct us to the open doors where he knows there are people that he wants to use us to reach. And, and so what is it going to take for us to reach people? What is the, the biblical pattern for this? Evangelism must be the pursuit of our prayers. Number two, God must open the door. And then number three, we must live the life. We must live the life. And the key word here is believability. Believability. Verse five says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, that is, those that are without Christ, those that are without a relationship with with God. Okay, so now what, what does it mean for us to walk in wisdom toward them that are without? Okay, this is, this is simple. Most of you get it, but let's just articulate it. The, the word walk is, is a word that's used in the Bible to describe the life that we live as believers. And if we want to understand what it is to walk in wisdom, we really don't have to look any further than the context because with your Bible open there, would you turn back to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1? Because in chapter 3, he hits the practical part of this book. And what he's really been doing is showing us what it actually looks like to walk in wisdom. In chapter 3, in in verses 1 through 17, he shows us what walking in wisdom looks like in our relationship with, with the Lord. And I want you to just... Look with me there, and in verses 1 and 2, what walking in wisdom looks like is seeking, walking down here, but seeking the things that are above and setting our affection on those things. In other words, walking down here, but living in a whole different realm, living in a different kingdom, living in the light of eternity. Look at verse 5, walking in wisdom 
is mortifying or putting to death the passions of our body, and he lists them for us. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. In verse 8, it's putting off the old man, all the ways that we used to walk when self was sitting on the throne and calling the shots. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouth. Lying. In verse 10, walking in wisdom is putting on the new man. All the things that Christ had on him when he gave his life for us and put us in Christ. Bows of mercies and kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering and forbearance and forgiveness and above all of these things, charity, which is the bond of perfectness. In verse 15, walking in wisdom is the peace of God ruling in our hearts. Look at verse 16, it's the word of Christ dwelling in us richly. In verse 17, it, it, it affects every word that comes out of our mouth and every deed that we do in our body. And, and then look, look in verses 18 through 21 of chapter three. He shows us here what walking in wisdom looks like in our family, verse 18. Wives are submitting. Verse 19, husbands are loving. Verse 20, children are obeying. Verse 21, fathers are not provoking their children to wrath. Then we come to verse 22, down through chapter 4 and verse 1, and Paul shows us what walking in wisdom looks like when we go to work. And, and servants or employees are serving their bosses the way that they would Christ. And masters, chapter 4 and verse 1 are treating their employees the way that Christ has treated them. And let me tell you something, folks. Listen, when we're walking according to that wisdom in our relationship with Christ, in our homes, and at our jobs, you know what? When, when you walk like that, you're sitting in an incredible place to be used of God to reach your world with the gospel. Because you know why? Because it's evident to the people around us when we're walking in that wisdom, it's evident to the people around us that we're something that they're not. It becomes evident then that we function according to a whole different wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5 says, we don't walk according to the wisdom of men, but 1 Corinthians 2, 7, we walk according to the wisdom of God. Listen, folks, we're not going to reach the people in Kansas City. You, you will not reach the people in your sphere of influence simply because they know that you go to church or because you wear religious jewelry or clothing or you put a bumper sticker on your car or even that you've learned a lot of facts about God and the Bible or because you've learned to speak Christianese, we're not going to reach them because of how we talk. We're going to reach them because of how we say it, because of how we walk. That's when what we have to say is believable. So, what has to happen for us to reach people? 
Evangelism must be the pursuit of our prayers. God must open the door. We must live the life. Number four, we must open our mouth. We must open our mouth. And the key word here is tenacity. Now, now listen, I'll say it again. We got to live the life. There's no replacement for that. And there's no overcoming that when we don't live the life. And it's kind of weird the way that it works out. Man, the devil, the way that he works in the 21st century, it would seem to me that all the people who don't live the life are the people that run their mouth about Christianity and screw it all up for us. And all of the people who are very careful to live the life don't have the tenacity to open their mouth. What, what is wrong with this? You know, there's a book that came out several decades ago that was called Lifestyle Evangelism. I'm all about it. That's what I'm saying in that last point, or that's what the Word of God is saying. Live the life. That's what lifestyle evangelism is. Letting them see Christ and the wisdom by which he operates in you. But listen, somewhere along the way, we got to open our mouth. Notice in verse 3 that it is a door of what? Of utterance to... Speak the mystery of Christ. The end of verse 4, he says, as I ought to speak. Verse 6, let your speech, the end of verse 6, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Five times in four verses, he makes a reference to opening our mouth to speak, to proclaim the gospel. In the parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19, Paul says, Pray for me, listen, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth, what, boldly, or or with tenacity. Okay, this is the first Sunday of of the new year, man. 2015 is behind us. But, but could I just ask you to think with me for just a second? How many times would you say, and I'm not trying to guilt trip you, but how many times would you say in, in 2015 that you actually opened your mouth and not just talked, you opened your mouth and actually articulated the message of the gospel. How many times would you say? And could I ask you this? Do you think that the Lord actually, in 2015, opened more doors of utterance than you walked through? And I think we need to, as we're starting this fresh, new Year, man, what an incredible privilege that is. I, I, I think we need to ask ourselves, why didn't we walk through those doors? Why didn't we open our mouth? I, I don't know, man. Maybe it's because we don't feel 
the way that Paul felt in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 4, that this is something that we, we ought to do. How many of you believe this morning that giving the gospel is something that you ought to do? Maybe we've just never really come to grips with the fact that articulating the gospel is our responsibility. It's something that's been entrusted to us. Listen, y'all. According to Romans chapter 1 and verse 14, the gospel has made us debtors. That's what Paul what made Paul so effective in reaching people. He saw himself as a debtor. He believed that he owed every man two things. Number one, an invitation. And number two, a warning. An invitation to every person to come to Christ and a warning to every person that rejects it. And that debt he felt that he owed wasn't just... It wasn't just preacher talk for him with Paul. Man, it ran deep. He even said in 1 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Paul recognized that the gospel that had transformed him was also a gospel that had been entrusted to him that in transforming us, it makes us automatically a steward of the gospel. In Acts chapter four and and verse 29, a a prayer meeting is going on in the early church. this, This isn't the first one that he had, but it's the first one where we actually know what they prayed about. And you know what they were praying about? They were praying that they would have the boldness to open their mouth to speak the word. So what's it going to take for us to really fulfill our mission and reach people with the gospel? It must become the pursuit of our prayers. God must open the door. We must live the life. We must open our mouth. And then number five, we must know the message we got to know the message. And the key word here is is clarity. When we open our mouth to speak, we've got to make sure that we're communicating the right message in the right way. Watch how Paul shows us this in verse 3. He says, pray that God would open a door of utterance to speak, what? The mystery of Christ. Now now listen, when, when we open our mouth, whatever the mystery of Christ is, that's the message that we've got to communicate. And and he says in verse four that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And he's emphasizing here that we've got to be able to communicate that message clearly or with clarity. The mystery of Christ is something that God wants to use us to make manifest to other people. Now, if we're gonna do that, we're gonna have to know what the mystery of Christ actually is, right? Most of you weren't able to be in this room uh, as Pastor Brett was talking about this very thing. But now listen, don't let the, the terminology scare you. The mystery of Christ. Listen, this is really pretty simple. 
In the New Testament, a mystery isn't something hidden. It isn't something that can't be known. A mystery refers to something that at one time was hidden, but now is, is open. It's clearly revealed. It was something that in the Old Testament may have been hidden, but when Paul comes along in the New Testament, he revealed it to us in his writing. And Paul here is talking to us about the mystery of Christ. Okay, now by the time the Colossians get to this passage here in Colossians chapter 4, do you realize that by this point in the letter, they would have understood the mystery of Christ because this is now the third time that he's talked about it. Would you look back in chapter 2, in verses 2 and 3, Paul says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And what he's talking about here is the incarnation or the fact that the God of the universe, listen, took on human form in the person of Jesus Christ. And as verse 9 says, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Back in chapter 1, he talks about the mystery of Christ. And let's pick up in verse 25. He says, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. Check out how glorious this mystery is. God taking up residence and living inside of us. Something that in the Old Testament could never have even been conceived of. It had to be revealed in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God's presence was in the temple and only the high priest could come in. And he, even then, only once a year in the New Testament, we become his temple. And God's presence is in us and in the parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19, when Paul talks about the message that we actually speak, he says, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly, listen, to make known the mystery of the gospel. And of course, what is the gospel? We know this, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4 defines it as the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, okay, listen, when God opens the doors of opportunity for us to speak, what is it that we're actually to communicate? What is it that we're to make clear? What is it that we're to make manifest? Okay, if we're just taking, comparing Scripture with Scripture with what we just looked at, it's simply this. Listen, this is not hard. But you gotta understand what the mystery of Christ is. Here it is. The God of the universe 
became a man in the person of Jesus Christ and lived on this earth. And he died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again. And if you'll trust in what he did by calling on his name, he will come and live in you. Okay, that's the gospel in 20 seconds. That's it. And we've got to get to the place that we understand that message and that's what we're articulating to people. Not that God wants you to go to church, not that God wants you to be religious, not that God simply wants to take you to heaven when you croak, but the God of the universe wants to take up residence in you. Wow, that's crazy, y'all. That's hope. And Paul says in our passage here in Colossians 4, 4, that I may make it, that message, manifest. That I may make it just as clear as a bell. Listen, we have been entrusted with the mystery. It's no longer hidden, man. It's now been revealed. But let me tell you something. There is an enemy that does not want that simple message to be made manifest. He wants to do everything within his power to keep that message hidden. Would you look at Colossians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3? It's up on the screen. He says, but if our gospel be hid, we're to make it manifest, man. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Verse 4 says, that's just how Satan wants to keep it. In whom the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And you know what he's describing there at verse 4? The mystery of Christ that we've been talking about. Would you look at verse 4 again? He says, Christ, who is the image of God, the God of the universe, became a man in the person of Christ. He talks about the glorious gospel of Christ, that Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And he says, should shine unto them, that he wants to live inside of them. Listen, the message of the mystery of Christ has been revealed, but verses three and four of 2 Corinthians four lets us know that Satan wants to keep that message hidden from lost people. And according to Colossians chapter four and verse four, God lets us know that it is our responsibility to make it manifest. In in verse six of Colossians four, he he lets us know that we've got to get to the place that where we're so acquainted with the message that we just, it, it isn't something we just do on people, but it's something that we're able to weave into normal, natural conversation. Verse six says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. He's not talking about, okay, what what did Pastor Mark say the mystery of Christ was? That was in 20 seconds, let me see if I can get that. Okay, you can get that. But he's not talking about us coming to the place to where we give every man a pat answer. 
but answering every man individually in a way that's pertinent to the conversation, knowing how to salt the conversation to determine whether or not God's at work there. And to do that, we got to know the message. And so what's going to make us effective in fulfilling the mission of reaching people? Evangelism has got to be the pursuit of our prayers. God must open the door. We must live the life. We must open our mouth. We must know the message. Then number six, we must expect to be persecuted, y'all. We must expect to be persecuted. And the key word here is vulnerability. You know, we're just talking about Satan's desire to keep the message hidden. But listen, as long as you're being or not being used to make that message manifest, you understand you are of no threat to him and and you'll probably be able to skate along through life. Because if we're not seeing people the way that Jesus sees them in light of a relationship with him, what's going to end up happening is you're probably going to be end up being a tool that Satan can use to keep the message hidden. But when you really understand your purpose in being on this planet, when you understand your mission and you are so serious about it, that you're following this pattern. Listen, the sorry devil is going to do everything he can to shut you down so that he can shut you up. Look at the last part of verse 3. Paul says, for which also I am in bonds. In other words, I'm in this prison right now, chained to this guard, because I've been opening my mouth, making manifest the mystery of Christ. Have you ever seen how Paul closed out the the letter to the Corinthians? He's been talking about the the possibility of coming to see him. In the midst of explaining his situation, he says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. How many of you in 2016 would love for God to open a great door and effectual for you? Hallelujah, man. And what's the next word? And, notice, not but, there are many adversaries. A great door and effectual is open to me and there are many adversaries. Adversaries, you can mark it down, folks. Great open doors and adversaries go hand in hand. And we got to come to grips with the fact that we've got to expect. I mean, we go into this thing expecting to be persecuted. Paul says, for which also, because I'm running my mouth, speaking this and making it manifest, that's why I'm in bonds. And it didn't trip him out. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But, listen to this, the word of God is not bound. 
They may shut me up in this prison, but it is not going to shut me up from giving the gospel to everybody that's around me because I recognize this is my mission field right now. I'm in this prison because these are the people where God is at work and he wants me to reach them. The key word is vulnerability. If we're going to fulfill our purpose, we've got to be willing to lay our life down to suffer trouble. We're doing the greatest work in all the world, but we will suffer as an evildoer. And then Paul shows us one final thing. Okay, I'm going to do it one more time. (laughs) The pattern for reaching people in the New Testament Evangelism must be the pursuit of our prayers. God must open the door. We must live the life. We must open our mouth. We must know the message. We must expect to be persecuted. And then number seven, we must make the most of every opportunity. And the key word here is urgency. In the end of verse five, he says, redeeming the time. Redeem is a financial term. He's talking about us, listen, buying up every opportunity. In other words, seizing every moment to make full advantage of every opportunity that the Lord gives to us. I'm almost through. Hang with me. We talked earlier about the fact that God must open the doors. But listen, y'all, we've got to live with the constant reality that doors, even when they're great, even when they're effectual, doors do not remain open. You know, after that whole thing that we looked at earlier in Acts chapter 16, where Paul is going in all these different directions and he can't seem to find an open door, you know what? I got to believe, y'all. I got to believe that as Paul pulled together the missionary team on a daily basis, you know, like the, the coach in the locker room, I, I just got to believe that understanding that we've got to redeem the time and the urgency of this, this thing. I, I, I can see Paul sitting around with him and, and saying, listen, y'all, we got to go hard today, man. We need to make sure that we're getting ourselves out of the way and that we're doing everything that God can possibly do through us. We need to make sure that the Lord is living through us and speaking through us today. We need to be alert to the opportunities that the Lord is going to provide for us today. We've got to take advantage of every opportunity that we have because we don't know how long the door is going to be open here. Folks, listen. We gotta live with an urgency with the people that we work with, that we're related to, that we live near, that we go to school with. There is an urgency about this thing. At the beginning of the service, how many days ago was that? At the beginning of the, the service, man, you talked about the the open doors to different parts of the world. Do you understand there's a responsibility with those open doors? Because listen, man, we might get to the place in the next year or two when we're not, we'll be talking about, do you remember when we used to be able to? There's an urgency about this thing. Oh God, help us to just follow the simple biblical pattern that's laid out for us right here in one of the most practical books in all of the New Testament. 
And I'm going to ask your, your pastor now to come and as we put a bow on mission focus, let, let him talk to you about what God wants to do through Midtown Baptist Temple in 2016. Okay. So I'll tell you one thing. If you've been through discipleship, D2, he wants you to enroll in LFBI and sign up for the homiletics class. Because that's, that, folks, is, that's, that's how it gets done right there. That's, this is the teacher. Paul, or, uh, Mark's going to be teaching you how to preach. And so you, how many can say, i, I got to get me some of that? Okay, so... Let's get enrollment where that needs to be. You need to get the goods. Um, man, this, this has been a good week, hasn't it? It's been a really good week. Praise the God. Pastor Sabelli, I uh, forget which night it was of the conference, but man, can we trust God for a hunger to, to, to grow in us a hunger of the word? And, 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 and for that to happen, we got to get in the word. Uh, to, to repurpose our lives to consuming, devouring, getting the Word of God into our hearts and into our minds, and to work it out this morning into our lives, to communicate the gospel to the lost. How many would say this morning, okay, man, I recognize that in 2015, I didn't get, I had open doors that I did not walk through. Uh, let me see your hands. Uh, how many would say, in addition to that, uh, there were open doors I should have been praying for, and I didn't? Can I see your hands? Uh, how many can say, man, I got people in my life that I love, except that door is open, that effectual door is open, and unless I speak as I ought to speak, unless I make manifest the mystery of Christ's gospel, Unless I give them the word of God, they're, they're going to be just as lost tomorrow as they were last year. Um, today, Pastor, I'm praying for them. I'm walking through that door. I, man, I'm trusting God for it. I'm walking through it. Uh, by God's grace, I will give them good news, the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I see your hands? Okay, so I don't know how to fit all of you at the altar. I don't know how to do that. It'd be a fire hazard. And so I don't know what else to do, but, but here's the invitation. Uh, if you can identify with any of that, would you just get a hold of the person closest to you and ask them to pray for you? And if you can, can we just get on our knees right where we're at? And if you can't get on your knees, please don't, don't, don't do that, okay? The, the pews are very close together and it'll, we'll have to pile in to, 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 to extract you. Uh, but if you're able... Can we just get on our knees before the Lord this first Sunday of the year? And can this just, this whole table, this whole floor be the altar where we just commit ourselves and our lives, where we get accountable with one another? Because whoever you pray for, come on, next week, let's check up on each other. Amen? Uh, let's pray.
We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.